Hey man, I am so excited. All right, Mitchell, man, episode one, let's get this started. How's it coming along? Hey, Michael, thanks for having me. It is, uh, it's going great. Um, definitely uh, a lot of stuff going on in the startup process, but uh, yeah, so yeah. for now, yeah, we are full on construction mode. So before we get into that, break it down to everybody really quick. Tell us, for those of for everybody who really doesn't know who you are, tell us a little bit about your past, your present. Why are you doing this? And how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I am a uh, general dentist here in uh, Houston, Texas, and graduated dental school in 2018. And I've always wanted to start my own practice. And um, I'm currently an associate at a private practice. And I am transitioning out of that these next few months into my new startup practice, which is Smile Dentistry. And um, we started back in March with the lease negotiations, getting everything going. And we are just a few months away from opening for business. Dude, man. So what has been done so far? So far, we have all the electrical, all the plumbing, um, all the framing and drywall has been put up. So the frame of the practice is there. my construction guy gave us about four weeks, four or five weeks from being completely built. Um, and then after that, installing all the equipment, chairs, CBCT, um, all the bells and whistles that dentists love. And then, yeah, op- open for business. Um, today was a fun day. I booked my first five patients for April. So wow. that was a big win. Dude, how'd you do that? Uh, mostly it's just been, I've uh, sent out like a... Um, a pre-booking newsletter to email subscribers to my website and um, through that and social media and Instagram um, people have just been emailing saying hey um, I hear you opening in April and I'd like to book an appointment and then I just gather some information their insurance cards um, date of birth um, full name and get them scheduled in the system awesome man so we'll, we'll jump into that we'll talk about that right now in a little bit but I want to rewind a bit. So from the very beginning, when you decided to do this startup, you decided to do it when? Uh, last March, right when COVID hit. <laughs> yeah, great time. <laughs> Man, how'd you feel about that? How'd you feel about opening up right when that happened? Man, it was nerve wracking. Um, I, I had a great associateship job. And uh, when COVID hit, it gave me about a month off from work. And it gave me time to really think about what I want my practice to be and put together a plan. And um, then from there, kind of go through all the steps, all the stresses along the way of negotiating a lease, um, getting a business plan, getting funding for a loan, um, all the stuff that goes into it. And so we started actually building and seeing progress at the very beginning of December of last year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So then, when you were, before you negotiated lease and did the business planning and the funding, you went with a bank, right? Uh, my first step was to find a property that I loved. Um, I knew which area I wanted to practice in. Um, so I would say, practice where you want to live. Um, and I wanted to be able to walk to work and or longboard or ride a scooter or whatever. Um, and so that I chose the location first. Um, and then from there, 
went into different banks to see, can I get a pre-approval for the loan I wanted, which was around 600000 Gotcha. The, the property that you wanted, that you found, did, did you do a demographic check before that or not? I did. The company I used here in Houston uh, gave me a uh, free demographics report. And I wanted around the age, later 20s to early 60s is kind of the population I wanted. Uh, middle to high income um, and mostly either young professionals, small families, or parents whose kids have left, left the nest and they're coming back downtown Houston and starting their chapter two. Yeah. So then what was like the number ratio to that? Like one to what? Uh, I would have to pull up that information. Um, I actually don't have that handy. Um, But was it like reasonable or were you like, dang, that's kind of not good? Uh, It was, it was reasonable for us. Um, We are in a pretty competitive market. There's probably 10 to 15 dentists within five miles of me. but most of them are either corporate or pedo um, or Medicaid. And so there's probably about five or six actual private practices that I would consider to be competition, quote unquote. Um, so we're in a pretty highly uh, saturated market, but um, every market that's highly saturated, that means there's a lot of business there um, and people are flocking to that area. So um, that's why we felt good about the demographics report that we got. Got you. What was the name of the company you went with in Houston for the demographics? Excite, X-I-T-E, Realty. Yeah. Uh, They did a great job for us. Uh, They uh, negotiated the LOI terms and then uh, we reviewed the lease with an attorney. Um, Kind of went back and forth three or four times with the landlord. Came agreeable on all the terms and um, signed the lease, I think, August 27th on my birthday. Oh, wow. That's your birthday, August 27th? Yeah. Dude, I'm August 26th. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. My wife is August 26th too, by the way. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Different years, but like, same. it's kind of crazy, yeah. Yeah. But um, awesome, man. So really quick, what were, or not really quick, but if you can give us details on like the LOI terms and which attorney did you go with? Great question. Uh, LOI terms, we wanted, since we went, Right when COVID hit, our landlord was really um, wanting to sign tenants. So we knew we had a good place to negotiate. Um, we got three or, about three or four months free of rent um, to start. And then um, we negotiated a higher TI. So we're getting around 65-ish um, per square foot. And so that really helps with the build. Um, and if all listening aren't familiar with tenant improvement allowance ti it is where the landlord would give you money because you're building out their space and so basically they want to help you with your building costs because dental practices are like big bathrooms and they're crazy expensive um so they want to offset that cost um and help you but the caveat with most um ti is you get it at the very end when you're open for business. So it's like you got to play the budget game all the way through and then you get a big chunk of cash at the end. Um, it's kind of counterintuitive. It protects themselves from people taking the money and run. But it, um, it's just one of those things I wasn't aware of starting out. Um, but it was one of those terms we negotiated in our LOI. Got you. How do you negotiate a higher TI? 
Uh, we we kind of we came into a really high end place, and we were like, the architecture is really beautiful, and we're like, hey man, like we want to build out the inside just as cool as the outside, and with that, it's going to take a little bit more capital, and so um, here's our number, and um, do the best you can to match it. Got what was the number? Uh, we wanted sixty five. Uh-huh. Okay, and that was for for what again? Uh, the tenant improvement allowance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, so in order, like, let's just say right now I'm going to you and I'm like, hey, Mitchell, man, they're giving me like a TI of like 10,000. I don't know, 20,000. Oh, yeah. How can I get it higher? Do I, do I just let them know like, hey, I want to work with more once it's open or? Uh, usually average in the least of Houston area is around 40. Um, so it depends on the space. Um, usually landlords will be more negotiable on that if you're kind of showing the plans of what you want to build. Um, we had already chosen our architect at that time. So we kind of knew the style that um, he was going for. And so what that took, we kind of knew the budget and we brought that to our landlord in the negotiations. Like this is something that would be really helpful because we want to build out your space as nice as possible because um, it's just going to benefit you in the long, long run. Gotcha, gotcha. And was the people who negotiated the LOI terms, was it also Excite or? Yeah, they did an uh, initial LOI. Oh, okay. Wow. Awesome. How much does that cost? Like how much would you say they charge? Uh, they were free. And so it's one of those companies that if they get paid by the landlord after the deal's done. And so I, when the guy who did our deals was a good buddy of mine. So I kind of trusted him because coming in without knowing that you're like, well, how do I make sure I get the best deal for me? Because you're not getting paid by me. Um, so I have heard situations where they didn't negotiate the best on um, the dentist's behalf. Um, so I would be wary of companies that do get paid um, from both sides pretty much. Um, but there are other companies, I don't know any by name, where you can pay a fee and they just negotiate for you and um, they're completely on your side. Um, but our company got paid from the amount of rent per the 10 years that we are leasing. Oh, okay. Wow. So then the, that's your, your buddy, what's his name? Uh, Drew at Excite Realty. Okay. So Drew, he works at Excite and then you guys don't have to pay for anything. And I know you mentioned right now that it's 10 year lease. Mm-hmm. What happens after that? We negotiated um, a five-year extension after the 10 years and set at a set amount uh, that our, our rent can't go above. Um, but to be honest, we'll probably, at year seven or eight, we'll start renegotiate, renegotiating our lease for the next X amount of time um, if we want to stay in that location. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, man, that's good. So then who was the attorney you went with and who was your architect? Uh, the attorney, so a lot of people use um, basically an attorney that does a lot of dental practices, um, commercial leases. Um, average fee, I would say, is around 2000 to 2500 um, For me, uh, my uncle, uh, my uncle-in-law is an attorney, so he did it for me. Um, <laughs> but I was going to go with a... Uh, there's a, a guy in Houston named Patrick that does a lot of um, good and reasonable jobs um, that I've heard of for these negotiations. Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. What's your uncle-in-law's name? Uh, Kent. 
Cool, man. So he does this for dental practices? No, he's like a corporate business attorney, but he's like, yeah, I'll take a look at it. And so, oh, nice. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I guess I'll take a look at it. I bought him a bottle of wine and he reviewed my lease for me. And so, <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. That's really cool. And then who's the architect? Uh, we're using a company called Studio Gale. And it's uh, Corey and Rebecca Gale. And they are a um, basically a design and architecture team. And so Corey does all the architecture and Rebecca does um, the design and interior work. Um, they've done some really cool practices around the Houston and, and Austin area. Um, so they've been incredibly helpful. Um, Corey designed in our 2330 square feet. He fit eight operatories comfortably with business offices and everything else I wanted. So he did a phenomenal job of maximizing my square footage um, to make it as profitable as possible. Is that, is that what they do? Like they normally work with dental practices or, or no? Yeah, they're dental architect designers for medical and dental. Oh, wow. How much were they? He was around, uh, I want to say, twelve to 15000 Okay, so twelve to fifteen thousand, and then Excite, they don't, they were free, right? They they just take a chunk of the. Yeah, they were free. Okay, so twelve to fifteen thousand, and then right now you are at, this is at the beginning stages, right? You haven't even like started construction. You haven't even started asking or looking for a construction company or anything. No, we have not. Um, but what we did in the process was Studio Gale, Corey, and Rebecca. They. We started with one um, construction company. So there's two ways to do it. You can either pick one or you can bid it out to many people and choose the bid you like. Um, We wanted our construction guy in the weeds in the very beginning. Um, So they're called Epic, E-P-O-C-H, Epic Construction. And um, yeah, so we brought Epic in in the very initial meeting with uh, Studio Gale and we kind of bounced all of our ideas across. and. from there, Epic was like, hey, y'all should build a second floor in your practice. Use it as a mezzanine. And that can maximize your space by going up. And you can use it as a co-working space um, and just add that much more value by going up instead of expanding in width. You did? Yeah, we have a second floor. It's cool. Oh, wow. Dude, yeah. Is that where uh, more operatories are on the second floor now? It's going to be like a co-working space. So it's only for private use, but we want to host like, um, it's like 600 square feet. It's pretty big. Um, but we either like want to do collaborations with local artists, um, have um, bands come out and play, or just have some friends over, crack a bottle of wine, sit on the mezzanine and just kind of talk about fun ideas that we have. And so it'd be uh, a cool spot to collab with a lot of local businesses around. Dude, man, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. I've always thought that too. I know right now, um, Ashley, she was having trouble with like, you know, growing. Cause she's like, we're going to outgrow this. And I'm like, why don't you just make it a two story? But I don't know, you know, <laughs> let's go. yeah, that's pretty cool. So then let's rewind a little bit. I know you said you talked about, you have to have a business plan ready. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Who do you, who did you present that to? How detailed does it have to be? Things like that. Yeah. So we started our business plan in March. Um, my wife and I made it together. My wife's super awesome. She is very smart, a great business mind, and she's a CPA. And so she is way more credentialed than me to do anything in business. Um, and so we just kind of took a weekend. To be honest, we took a blank temp- template from an online website. We just typed in 
business plan template. And um, from there, we just started typing. Uh, we started with our values, our mission statement. Um, and from there, it's about 30 or 40 pages long, <laughs> to be honest. Um, we put projections. I actually haven't looked at it in a while, but I'm sure a lot has changed since we started <laughs> it. But it was a great thing to send to banks um, to make you look like you're legit. Um, so what you don't want to do is send a rushed, put together business plan to all these banks that are going to look at it and be like, what the heck is this? Um, <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. I was like, oh, this is done. Just send it. They don't care. Um, yeah. But my wife was like, hey, pump the brakes. Let's make this really awesome and really thorough. And so that was, that probably took a whole weekend to do um, with plus or minus a few weeks edits. And um, But I sent it to the bank. I sent it to close friends and family, uh, my parents. And um, that was about it initially. Which banks did you send it to? I started with Wells Fargo and... Um, Ended up going with a bank, um, a Texas bank called Frost. Um, but yeah, I, I got pre-approval from Wells Fargo pretty easily. And for I think they were going to pre-approve me for 500000 Wow, that's good. So we'll, we'll talk about that right now. But like, so when you said you send it to the banks, let's just say I had my, I went on to Google, typed in business plan template, started filling it out. Does that cost anything or no, right? I mean, you can pay services to do it, but I we just started from scratch. And, it took a while, but it's definitely worth it to have it all on paper. Gotcha. Okay, so then you do that, you fill out the template, and then I just like randomly send it to a bunch of banks, or or do I like say something uh, first? So my Excite guys, new bankers in Wells Fargo, um, and so I got connected with a, a banker, and we just kind of started bouncing ideas across. They wanted to see my financials, tax returns, business plan, uh, projections, kind of the whole um array of documents and um so we kind of actually pull up my most Fargo package and find exactly what i sent them when it comes to the the business plan while you're looking that up has your values and mission statement changed from when you wrote that down or no uh no they've uh stayed the same what, what are they what are your values and mission statement our mission is to create a personal and unique dental experience that transforms and en- enhances our patients' lives all for the glory of God. And then SMILE, which is S-M-Y-L, stands for Smile More in Your Life. And our hope is that our services lead people to smile more in their everyday life. Um, then we put a list of values that we believe are the core of what our business is. And so we are patient focused. We have a passion for our craft, for all team players. We stand out in the marketplace. We always share in the success of the company. We work smart, always do the right thing. We act with integrity. We're focused on the community. We lead by example and we have fun. That's cool, man. That's cool. Okay. So then what are your, what were your, what did you send like to Wells Fargo? Basically, my business plan, um, they had me fill out a credit, credit application, um, demographics report for the area, um, tax returns the previous two years, uh, W-2 pay stubs, um, and you know, that was about it. Got you. So you have to have that stuff ready before. So obviously, you have to have a business plan ready before, right? But then at the same time, your demographics report ready mm-hmm. before you apply for uh the loan right yeah that's correct 
Gotcha, gotcha. That's interesting, man. Okay. So then that's with the the business loan or the business plan and then the lease negotiation. And so then how much did you finally get? You you said you didn't go with Wells Fargo, right? Right. Yeah. You went with Frost? Frost, yeah, Frost Bank. Why'd you go with them? I just felt more comfortable with them as a bank in general. Um Wells Fargo had a lot of, um, it was right when COVID hit. And so jobs were kind of iffy in terms of, are we going to be open this week? Or are we going to be closed? I had to agree to um, basically say I made X amount of money per day um, to get the amount of funding that I needed from Wells Fargo. And it was just a tough number to hit at the time. Um, and so I randomly got a call from Frost one day when I was like, freaking out about over like, am I going to get funded for this amount? And that was probably one of the hardest parts in the very beginning is proving that number to a bank. Um, Which number? uh, It was basically I had to make $1,000 a day to cover the loan amount that I wanted, which some days in dentistry you make that and some days you don't. Um, I didn't want to have to lie about it or fabricate any numbers, um, especially with uncertainty with COVID. And I don't want that to be a consistent thing. And so I reached out to Frost like in March and just like talked to a lady and then he- didn't hear anything until the day I was like freaking out and she like randomly called me. I was like, Hey, like, are you still interested in a small business loan? And I was like, yeah, I am <laughs> ironically. And so, uh, they were really reasonable to go with like kind of a, a smaller bank. Um, the downfall, I got about 0.5% higher interest rate. Um, but I felt comfortable using a bank that I really trusted, uh, and they have been really great to work with so far. Gotcha. If you don't mind me asking, what's like the bank's loans terms, like the interest rate and stuff, and how much did you get? Uh, I got 600 at 4%. Wow. Okay. That's not that, that's not like that or anything. No, no. I mean, like compared to like five or six years ago where it's like eight, nine (laughs) percent. Yeah. My father-in-law started a business and interest rates back then were 16 percent. You know, how do people make any money? (laughs) I know, man. That's, yeah, that's different. So then, okay. So you, you did that. You got the bank loan and everything like that. You got it for, how much did you get it for again? Uh, 600,000. 600,000. Okay. So then we fast forward a little bit. How much is like, has construction alone cost you? Our construction as of today, um, we drew on our first um, payment for the bank and it was around $119,000 for our first payment. And in total, in so total 100, it'll be around three, 300000 to about three fifteen, somewhere in between there. Wow. And that's just for... That's not just for the shell and everything like that, right? That's for... Yeah, it's for plumbing, electrical, um, the build-out, um, all the finishes, um, basically everything except for chairs uh, and all the equipment. Okay, so if just to like wrap it around, two stories, eight operatories, it's basically just the construction alone is 300, around 300, up, upwards of 300, right? Yeah, we were around $127, $130 a square foot. And that's a little bit on the higher end, but uh, that's kind of the practice we wanted to design. And um, so that was 
our price per square foot. Gotcha. And how has that been coming along, man, the construction so far? Man, everything has been pretty smooth. Uh, we had one little hiccup, um, but everything else has, um, man, they built fast and it looks really cool. And so, What was the hiccup? Man, it was, um, it was a tax issue. And so um, in Texas, I don't know about other states, but you're charged um, sales tax when you do a remodel and you aren't charged sales tax when you do a new construction. And so our build was basically a new construction. Um, it was an old, old building that was basically gutted. There's only concrete left and a new building was built on it and we were building out the inside. So we coded it as a new construction. Um, so we didn't have any sales tax. And then last Wednesday, I got a call from my contractor and I was like, hey, hey Mitchell, I got to talk to you. Um, so I went, I went to Smile and I was like, man, like we talked with the landlord and they filed this with the city as a remodel. And so we have to hit you with sales tax, um, which was around like $25,000 I didn't have, wow. enough, which, which really sucked to be honest. I was like, man, like, this is not good. Um, it's not something we planned for. Um, so that was kind of one of my moments of life, man, like things happen in construction that you don't plan for. Um, and how do you cope with them? How do you deal with them? And what moves do you make to find the silver lining in it? And so, yeah, but that was my big, uh, last week. How would you even, how, I didn't even know that. Like, how would you even know? Like, who who thought of that? Like, was it you who thought of that? Or did your attorneys figure that out? Or who, who I guess, like, who dropped the ball here? Um, I would say it was just miscommunication about what the, the development was. Um, no one really dropped the ball per se. Um, but they figured out because the roofers came and they were cutting holes in the roof and they were billing a contractor for the project. And they're like, hey, we need your tax ID. And they're like, well, why do you need a tax ID? There's no sales tax. And they're like, oh, that was the moment. They're like, dang, this is a remodel now. And so um, we have to tack on sales tax. So that's how it was found out upon. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, gotcha, not gotcha. fun, but uh, it's okay. If you would have known about this beforehand, would you still have gone with the same location? Yeah. So one big piece of advice is always plan for like 15 to 20% contingency in your builds. Um, so in my Excel spreadsheet on my budget, I have 20% extra costs. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Um, silver lining on this project was, I was like, hey man, y'all really dropped the ball on the sales tax. You have, to, you have to take money off my construction budget to account for this new fee that we have. Um, that was a, a good way to be like, hey, this wasn't my fault per se. How can we amend the situation? And my builder has been really great. Like, okay, we'll take, take off X amount from the construction budget to help you offset the $25,000 extra now that you have to pay. Do you ever feel like they might do a not so good job because of that? Uh, no. They were, um, everything they built has been awesome so far. It was sort of just uh, a very confusing um, way that the landlord had structured their um, building. And it's, to be honest, it's something we should have caught in the very beginning. Um, but 
they've done they've done a really good job of amending it and working with me to to fill in the gaps where that money needs to be accounted for. Gotcha, gotcha. How has your landlord been so far? Has he been pretty cool about everything too or not? Yeah, they've been awesome. I mean, I know there's horror stories about landlords and they've been really reasonable to work with. And um, in our LOI, I saved all the emails um, when we were going back and forth negotiating. So if anything ever came up, I'm like, hey, this is what we talked about and here's evidence. Um, So we did have that happen on one instance um, where we're adding a, a door to the building and the landlord wasn't too happy about us adding a door. Um, this was a few months ago, and I looked back on our emails and our terms. We had talked about, hey, we need to add a door. This is where we're going to add it. This is what we're going to do. And I sent it to them, like, oh, sorry, we forgot. Thanks for <laughs> thanks, thanks for having that. And I was like, no problem, man. But like, <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. So it's always good to keep like a record and keep your emails in different files. So if you ever need to go back and find what y'all talked about is easily accessible. Why was the door an issue? Like, where was it? Where is it going to go? We only have one door right now. And so we wanted a check-in and check-out door. So patients can walk in and walk out separately. Um, and with COVID, we don't want crisscrossing of people. One's coming out, one's coming in. And so we wanted two distinct designated doors. And so we had to add one. And if we didn't add the door, it wouldn't go with our architectural design. So it was like kind of a must. Um, so things like that are good to know before to bring to the um, landlord and be like, hey, this is what we need. This is our design and get it approved via email or in writing so that you don't have a problem with that. Like, oh, you can't add a door. And like, well, now I have to change up my entire design because nothing works. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah, that sounds like something so, so small for a landlord to kind of just be like, oh, no, don't add a door. You know, like, was it really that big of a deal? Um, our, the design is like really, um, pretty custom of the whole entire space. And so, um, we just have to match it perfectly with what we're doing. Um, some landlords probably like, yeah, add a door. I don't care. Um, but ours like, is like a custom piece in Houston. And so it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool looking, but they're just very picky about what you can do on the exterior. Um, cause they want to keep their architect and designers all happy. Gotcha. Oh, wait. So this door, walk me through it. This this second door is on the outside too? Like like a, a separate way to get into the building? Or yeah, yeah. It- separate door on the exterior. Oh, okay. I thought it was like one door you walk in and then there's like oh. a in your, you know what I mean? And then oh, yeah, door. yeah. It's like a, um, basically we have to cut the glass away and add another door. And so that's why they wanted all the um, approval for it. Oh, okay okay yeah that makes a little bit of sense now i got you when does uh your free rent start uh from the day we are open for business oh perfect that's awesome man so like let's just say for example you guys are going to be open in april right and then something happens and it's like oh construction has been delayed till june right hopefully not but like let's just say that uh-huh. he, he won't start charging you right so per our lease we have a lot of landlords would do this um so we signed it in August and they give you a set amount of days that you have to be open by. And then if you go past those set amount of days, you get charged rent. So I think I have till the end of April to be open for business. And if I'm not, then they start charging me rent. So I do have a cutoff time. I can't just sit around for two years and not open for business. Um, so I do have a lot of time. Yeah, that's awesome. man. So then right now, if you don't mind me asking, 
Because your space sounds kind of big, right? Or it is big. Like, how much is rent? Uh, we are in the higher end around eight to 9000 per month. Okay, got you. So eight to 9000 per month. That on top of team. How much have you like budgeted for everything? Like, give me a rough estimate of like, how much do you plan to have your overhead as every month? That's a that's a great question. Uh, yeah, look at their budget. So I have three different spreadsheets. One is my overall loan budget. The other one is my projected cash flow. And let's say for the first few months, my total fixed expenses um, putting the ballpark around fifteen to twenty thousand per month. Fifteen to twenty thousand per month. Are you paying yourself too or not? I have myself having a very small salary, um, around $2,000, but if I don't need to take that, I, I won't, but hopefully it's going to be a lot more. Um, we also have 140,000 in working capital we can use, um, to pay in the meantime, if I need to pay myself, um, use it out of that. But I mean, if my goal of a hundred new patients the first month is hit, then we'll be doing, we'll be doing pretty well on our numbers. Nice man. Okay, so let okay, so that's your your monthly expenses. I mean monthly overhead right now. And then you're gonna plan to pay yourself if you have to, two thousand, right? Mm-hmm. A month. Which I'm like, <laughs> that's, like <laughs> that's like yeah. nothing, dude. Yeah, but but still, still, I mean like you know what I mean? Some people don't yeah. even some people don't even pay themselves. So I mean like it's it's pretty good. So yeah. then on top of that, now you plan to have a hundred new patients when you open up, but right now, how many patients are in your books? Uh, we got 10. Oh dude. Awesome, man. And you're, you're months from out. So like, let's fast forward a little bit and talk to me about what happened. You said it was today, right? You booked in your, uh, five patients. Yeah. I got five new emails from people like, Hey, I'd love to be a, be a patient and get a cleaning when you open in April. Okay. So, you got them from where specifically? I would say specifically it is from uh, Instagram uh, marketing. And um, they kind of drove by our spot in the Heights in Houston and saw the office and saw how like the outside looked and found our website and subscribed and sent an email saying, hey, I saw your place. It's walking distance from my house. I'd love to be a patient. On your website, when you say subscribe, what what do you mean? Like, how can so somebody listening right now? They're like, I want this. I'm going to be open in April too, or yeah. whenever, right? How can they? How can this happen for them? So my website, the thing I wanted to make it was very simple, um, not a lot of words. Basically, it's going to be a place where people come, book, and leave. Um, so my I wanted an initial landing page that just showed who we were, showed who, who I was as a doctor, a little bit about our practice. And then at the bottom, it says, stay in touch, enter your email here. And that goes to my email that's hosted through GoDaddy at smiledentistry.com. And then that's an easy way for me to start a listserv of patients um, that want to stay connected with my practice. Then I send out a monthly newsletter of all the updates. So I sent out my first newsletter about two weeks ago. And um, just keeping everyone up to date, um, next month, I'm rolling out online scheduling. So people can book online uh, without calling me or emailing me. And yeah. Dude, who, how did you make the, I'm looking at the website right now. 
I love it, man. Like, how did you make the? Who you? Who made it? Who made this website? Uh, one of my, oh, sounds like a redundance for one of my friends owns a creative agency in Houston, and um, he designed it for me and uh, made it and um, sent us a few rough drafts and samples and uh, just made it pretty pretty simple. And we're gonna add a a lot of things in February and March. A lot of more kind of content and beefier like blog posts. Um, things that have some content to them, but uh, we just wanted it to be simple and wanted you to scroll through and know exactly what we offer, who we are and make it look fun and creative. And that's kind of the style of our practice. Yeah. And I like that. I, I tell people that a lot, like, Hey, before you open, like share with people, like, like do this, right? Like get, have subscribers, emails and people, and then share with them your journey. You know what I mean? Like yeah. once a week, once a month, whatever. What did you send in your first email? I basically sent out, um, it was basically, it was just two pages and it was, um, we made it on Canva, which is a great site to use, canva.com for creating anything um, quickly and easily. Um, so I would use them for all your graphics, Instagram posts, newsletters, um, you can put all your brand colors in there if you have a brand established for your practice. Um, but basically ours was just, Hey, we're smile dentistry. Um, we're a cosmetic implant family, uh, meet us. Um, we're, we're opening in April. We love the area we live in. And then it's a little bit about me and my family, how long we lived here, um, booking reservations. I gave them my email to, uh, email if they want to book with the subject booking and then our hashtags and links at the bottom and says, follow us. So pretty simple information, but um, it's been pretty effective for people to reach out. Yeah. I mean, people reached out. Dude, I'm looking at your Fam, everybody listening, you already got merch, man. You already got merch. Oh, <laughs> dude, I love branding. It's my thing, man. Dude, that's <laughs> so cool. So people can buy this hat already? Yeah, they can buy it if they want. How many did you order? I haven't ordered it in yet. I'm waiting for pre-orders, but once we get them in, um, we'll start selling them. But I have about yeah, about 20 here if I need. But I I love just creating brands. And so what we're going to do with this shop link, um, this is a tangent, but we're going to put, we got custom toothbrushes, custom floss, all bamboo and really kind of um, really sleek looking. And we're going to sell them on the website. Um but it's going to be a buy one, give one campaign. So if they buy one on the website, we're going to donate one either to we do a lot of missions in Guatemala or just bring them to places that need toothbrushes, but can't use the plastic ones because they get tossed in the, the trash and they get end up polluting the environment. So these are all bio, biodegradable, environmentally friendly products. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I want to use the shop for. And then just like creating awesome merch like hats, hoodies, all this cool stuff that I, I find fun. <laughs> Dude, man, that's awesome. Like, we're, I'm excited to see, to see this website grow. So l just to be like, this is what I'm talking about, Mitchell. Like, see, we had all these questions prepared and we're almost out of time already, but still <laughs> like it's so much we want to ask and we're going to continue to ask. But before that, um, I do want to ask some questions. Like, what is the main lesson this week you want the audience to take away? Um, I would say, so most people doing startups, you're still an associate somewhere. Um, I got pretty burnt out two weekends ago. I was actually working two jobs, um, 
I was an associate and I picked up a clinic on the weekends just to try to generate as much cash flow as possible. And man, I was burnt out and I was tired. Um, I didn't have any capacity really to work on my business or my practice. Um, so I took last weekend off and I took off basically the month of February from working Friday afternoons through Sunday. Um, cause you need to focus on your business. Um, cause that's where, um, where you're going to basically invest most of your time for the next five to 10 years. So burning yourself out at your associateship may to me was very counterproductive to what I was trying to do with smile. And so for me, I wanted to work as much as possible and work as hard as I can and then leaving the leftovers through my business. Um, but taking a break from that really kind of helped me um, have like creative ideas, sit, sit down and do budgeting, do all the stuff, doing your online scheduling, booking patients that I wouldn't have time for if I kept like basically breaking my back at my associateship plus job number two. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, man. How did you, let me ask you something. When you burn out, how do you know you're burned out? It's a great question. I never thought I would be. Um, but it's basically my wife, like I came home like Saturday at like five and I was just like, I'm tired. I want to lay on the couch. And Sunday I was just exhausted. Then Monday I just like didn't want to get up and go to work. Um, I was like, man, I only had 36 hours maybe to just relax. And I was trying to do all my startup business stuff in the evenings or Saturday afternoon or Sunday. And I was just, I just didn't want to get up and get out of bed and, and go to, go to my job. Um, and that was a sign to me of like, I'm working too hard on too many different things and I'm going to be spent before I even open my practice. Um, Cause what I love is working on my startup, but the associateship takes away from that. Cause you still have to make money somehow while you're starting a business. <laughs> so <laughs> this one thing about dentistry is like, it's hard work to be a dentist and um, allocating yourself time to get away and just say, Hey, this is the night I'm going to work on this. Um, Cause in a startup, there's so many different little things that you're doing. Um, so that would be my biggest sign. If you just wake up and you're like, man, I don't know if I can do all this today. Um, maybe you need to cut back a bit and just enjoy time um, dreaming and, um, work on your business or your startup, yeah. whatever brings yeah. you joy. That's true, man. Yeah. You never really want to leave like the leftovers right. yeah. to like the thing that you are like super happy about, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Like if, if a startup's your baby and like it's something you're passionate about, then it should be like, let's go and not like, oh man, this is like 10 at night, which, but it happens in a startup though, because you're limited in your time. But it's kind of realizing that balance has been really helpful for me. Yeah, that's good, man. That's really, really good. And then what or who has been the biggest help this week so far? To be honest, this week, so I have a friend in Houston. Her name is Katie Stucklick, and she is a private practice owner down the street from me. Um, and I had coffee with her and I was like, hey, like, this, like she's about four years ahead of me. And I was like, hey talk me through what you did. Um, just give me some encouragement. And so I, I think connecting with someone who's done it a little bit more um, a few years ahead of you was really encouraging. Um, and so that was kind of one thing I did on Saturday. I was like, Hey, let's go to coffee and let's just talk. Um, it's just good to connect with people that are in the same 
either in the same place or just a little bit ahead of you because then um, it really just makes you feel like you're not crazy and you're not alone in this. Yeah. What did you guys like brainstorm on or talk about? Uh, I was just like, tell me about your first few months of opening. Um, who did you hire? What did you need? Um, what was your capacity like? And she was just basically like, hey, you can do a lot yourself the first few months. You don't need a huge staff. You can do insurance verifications. You can bill patients. Like you can do a lot um, as a small business owner. And so just kind of picking her brain on what did it look like the first three months of being open was really helpful to me. That's good, man. I feel like a lot of the times we we get in our heads and we're like, I want to ask somebody, but why would they, you know what I mean? Help me out. Technically, I'm there. Are they my competition? Are we? I don't know. You know, they they might see me as that. And then you just like psych yourself out and you don't even do it. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's like we were talking, me and her were like, we don't really see each other as competition because we both know the kind of style we practice in. And we'd rather build each other up and be awesome dentists in the same area that mutually are agreeable as they're like, if you want to go see them, that's cool. If you want to see me, that's cool. You know, I feel like dentistry, we can be all cohesive and not be like, Oh, I'm going to crush all the competition and take all the patients. Like that's just like not a good mindset to have. Cause if you have a really wholesome and really kind of well-rounded practice, you're going to attract the patients that want to be at your practice. And um, that's kind of, it's a cool way to talk to her about that and be like, Hey, like any way I can help you out, let me know. That's nice, man. That's cool. And then what's next? What is next? So we are, um, well, tomorrow night we're going to go, my wife and I and some friends are going to go right on the walls of the practice before they're painted and just kind of cast vision over what we want with smile and just things that we believe the practice is going to bring to the city of Houston. So that's going to be really fun. Um, we're going to take some photos of it and to kind of document it. And then, um, for me, uh, I'm starting to run, run some Facebook ad campaigns, um, basically a like page campaign where we are going to post a video on Facebook and be like, hey, like our page below. And we're going to spend about, I think, a couple hundred bucks a month on it and just see what happens. Um, and then getting my online scheduling set up so, and getting that hooked up to my website and then just kind of moving along with the build. Um, Hopefully everything starts, all the finishes start being put in and uh, we can be open really soon. It's going to be here in like two months. It's crazy. <laughs> I know, man. It's, it's moving on. It's moving on super fast, but awesome, man. So definitely we're going to be into it uh, next week. We, I feel like there was a lot we, we didn't even like touch so far, but we got the wrap around and we got like a good idea of uh, how you started out the process, right? And so we're going to continue yeah. to get into it each week, week by week by week. So everybody watching or anybody listening, uh, definitely feel free to subscribe. Feel free to subscribe to any of Mitchell's stuff too as well. Can they subscribe if they're like, I want to see what his email newsletter is all about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if they're interested, um, the email is hello at smiledentistry.com. And that's S-M-Y-L dentistry.com. And it's just shoot me an email and be like, hey, I heard you on the podcast. Can you send me an example of what your newsletter looks like? Um, it probably took me about maybe an hour to create. Um, and yeah, I love to reach out and connect with anyone that has questions about that. Awesome. He's going to sell that newsletter for ten ninety nine. I'm just kidding, man. Yeah. Hey, you can, you can Venmo me. <laughs> Go to my cash uh, app. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, guys. No, yeah, definitely feel free to reach out to him. And guys, continue to follow the journey. And 
Yeah, man. We'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Great to talk to you. Talk soon. 